617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. It's the Josh JP Philosophy. So here they are, Josh Cohen and JP Plunkett. Josh and JP's guest today, Matt Hasselbeck, former NFL QB and current TV legend. Thank you, Dave, and uh, welcome to Matt. We're actually here in the studio in Westwood, Massachusetts. Yeah, Westwood. Not far from where uh, Matt starred on the gridiron for Severian Brothers before his uh, Boston College and NFL career, and now um, TV stardom, as Dave mentioned. But um, I'd like to thank Matt for being with us this morning very much. And uh, the first question I'd like to ask him um, is how does it feel to be, in my opinion anyways, the the fifth best athlete in a family of five. <laughs> well, I'm used to it. You know, when I was, you mentioned Zavarian over on Clapboard Tree Street, but uh, every time my name was mentioned in the Boston Globe when I was in high school, it would say, Matt, comma, son of former Patriot Don Hasselbeck. You know, like that's kind of how I got introduced to the point that all my, all my friends and classmates made fun of me that way. But recently, I think maybe two years ago, I went into the BC uh, Hall of Fame at Boston College. And normally that would be quite an accomplishment. Your family would be proud of you. My kids said, well, so what? That's 16 years after mom went in. That's not a big deal. So yeah, that, that's how it is in my house. That's fantastic. And, and, and you've got um, some more BC pedigree coming up um, in the Hasselbeck family? Yeah, we didn't plan it. You know, we let our kids pick where they wanted to go to college. And uh, my two oldest are both girls. They're both uh, really good athletes, multiple sports they play. But college lacrosse is kind of what chose them back. And uh, I've got one daughter who will be a freshman this year playing lacrosse at BC. And then I've got another daughter who's committed and will be there uh, a year a year after that. That's a blast. I actually brought my daughter to one of their games, um, one of the BC games. They played Virginia uh, last spring, and what an atmosphere and what talents. Yeah, I mean, we were at the uh, Final Four. Uh, uh, um, Kenzie, Cl- Kenzie Kent uh, went to high school at Thayer with um, their, their uh, uncle and uh, Jen Lally, who's now Jen Kent. It's her daughter, but she was a superstar. So yeah, there's incredible, incredible lacrosse talent up here. So I grew up playing baseball. I mean, I, that was all I did was baseball, basketball, football. I didn't really know anybody that had lacrosse, but, you know, I was Roger Clemens and I was Wade Boggs and Jim Rice. And, you know, now it's just so funny that we're such a lacrosse family. You know, who, who would have ever thought? Well, that that's exciting. Um, so w- wonderful stuff on the Boston College front for the Hasselbeck family. Uh, along those same lines, um, it just dawned on me, do you, your dad, and your brother Tim have any rivalry of sorts with uh, the Manning family, another uh, troika of uh, NFL multi-generation? If you get out on the golf course or have any uh, good-natured ribbing between those uh, two families? Well, we would be losing that rivalry. I mean, that's a very successful family. But my dad played for four NFL teams over his nine-year career. And in 1984, we were on the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings were a pretty terrible team that year. We had just won the Super Bowl with the L.A. Raiders in 83. So, you know, we were coming off this high of being on the Raiders. Then we go to the Vikings, and we're not a very good team. But we had so much fun. And we loved living there. But uh, one of the reasons I think we had so much fun is the third-string quarterback was Archie Manning. (laughs) His sons, Cooper Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, you know, we were all there living together. We would play – uh, flag football, touch football, whatever, in the Vikings indoor bubble every day with the athletic trainers, the equipment guys, Jan Stenerud, the kicker, uh, you know, the punter. 
it was wild. But I'll tell you this. I'm not in scouting because back then I would have guaranteed you and I would have told you without a shadow of a doubt that Cooper Manning was the best Manning athlete and had the brightest future in football. That dude was a stud. So, um, but we had a blast and those are sort of good memories. We didn't know it was a big deal at the time, but you know, looking back is pretty ironic. That's super interesting. Speaking of the Vikings, um, I know your TV partners with Randy Moss, maybe the, the greatest Viking ever. Uh, tell us a little bit about Randy um, on the air and off the air. Seems to be doing really well with his television. And I know he has a, a boy that's going on to great uh, college football success. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I signed after the Seattle Seahawks, I signed with the Tennessee Titans. And Randy Moss had been there just before me, so we were never together. But I think I had this uh, perception of what Randy was like because I had seen him on you know television and seeing like, news reports about him. And uh, when I when I got to Tennessee, I would ask everybody, hey, what was Randy Moss like? And they all said the same thing. And it really wasn't what I expected. Wow. That guy is a really, really smart guy. Like that was the thing that they said, like when it comes to football, this guy knows all the positions like he really knows football. And quite honestly, I was sort of expecting like. Oh, you know, he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's a diva. You know, he doesn't like to practice on Fridays or like, I don't know what I was expecting. I just was expecting I had seen so much negative media attention towards him that I wasn't expecting compliment after compliment after compliment. And that's really what I got. So now that I get to work with him, uh, I kind of see it. You know, like I see all of it with him. He's a, a really hard worker. He's very knowledgeable. Um, if he hasn't had his Snickers or his, the meal that he wants, yeah, he could be a little bit grumpy, but, uh, but he's awesome. I love Randy, and uh, he's a good dad. He's just I, – I, I really – it's no surprise why his teammates and coaches, uh, you know, for the most part, just, just love the guy. And he's very talented on air, I've noticed. You know, and a phenomenal basketball player. I don't know if people realize that. If you want to just have a good time sometime, you can just go, like, YouTube search some Randy Moss basketball highlights. Uh, very impressive. There's really nothing Randy can't do, though. He's a great, obviously a great receiver. He can throw the ball pretty well. He can kick the ball. We had a kicking competition in Denver one year when all these kickers were missing extra points. <laughs> we said, all right, how hard could it really be? And guess what? It is really hard, except Randy was just drilling them in dress shoes like it was nothing. Like you, <laughs> Tom awesome. Dempsey. So uh, as far as this future NFL season, uh, what are your thoughts about what's going to happen? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty with, uh, you know, the outbreak, especially in NFL cities. What's your thoughts about what the NFL season might look like this year? Yeah, well, one thing that I do know, having been involved in the NFLPA for so long on the executive committee and just kind of in a leadership role with the NFLPA, it really is going to be up to, you know, what kind of agreement uh, the NFLPA can come to with the NFL. You know, both sides want the same thing, but they do have to talk about it. They do have to kind of come up with some, you know, sort of, I guess, just really just some some guidelines. Okay, guys, what happens to a guy's salary if he comes down with COVID? What happens? Does he go on like a temporary IR list? What about roster sizes? How many people are coming to training camp? You know, do I have to be quarantined? What happens if a guy you know, say his wife is having, giving birth to their first child, like what happens then? There's all these little what ifs that have to come into play. 
And they really have to come to an agreement on those things. And, you know, that's why it's collectively bargained. That's why it's, uh, you know, they say this all the time. We're in the business of football together. And sometimes I've seen it where those two sides, they differ on how to handle a situation. And so the answer would be no football. But I don't think anybody wants that. I think everybody wants football. They just want to, um, you know, they just want to cross all the T's and dot all the I's before i mean you saw it just recently with the preseason the the nfl owners and the nfl said hey listen we'll cut it down to two preseason games and the announcement got made all over social media hey guys there's two preseason games the nfl pa and its players were kind of like "Mm, we never agreed to that like no we're doing no preseason games and so it's just those kinds of conversations they're not deal breakers but they are conversations that need to be had uh in, in order to move forward and have a plan for the year well, speaking of uh, this upcoming NFL season, a big headline lately is the contract of uh, Pat Mahomes and uh, the Chiefs. It sounds like a big, big number, but I'm always curious, why aren't they reported more like they really are? Like, here's what the guaranteed money is. Here's what he'll probably get on top of that. And here's the fluff. Why can't that just straight talk be out there? Well, because usually I think, at least in the past, um, the agent is the person leaking that information to the media. And so the agent wants to inflate the numbers so it looks like a huge, huge deal, which helps that agent then go recruit the next round of uh, round of players. Um, but that's just kind of how we report things and, and people people look look through the numbers. But this is a this is an awesome deal, I think, for both sides. It's win-win. And the funniest thing about this contract, this is like this, I, I don't know why I chuckle about it so much, but the, the day after Patrick Mahomes signs an extension for, I think it was reported as half a billion dollars. Okay? All my friends, like all the guys that I played with, got offensive linemen, defensive players, running backs, wide receivers, on their social media, on their Instagram stories, they were outside teaching their kids how to play quarterback. <laughs> really, like, if you could be the quarterback of the team that just won the Super Bowl and you're the league MVP and you're all these things, that's the kind of – the money is really skyrocketing. And then, you know, it's not quite the same for other positions. And and I do think that is something that, that the NFL and the NFLPA will actually have to address. It is getting a little bit out of whack where uh, certain positions – you see, like, the Russell Wilson deals and the Patrick Mahomes deals – their money is skyrocketing. And then some of the glue of the team, you know, maybe the guards or fullbacks or special teams or even running backs, they're not getting appreciated quite as much. So I'm sure that's not going to sit well with everybody. But it is it is an interesting and complicated situation when you talk about how teams choose to spend their salary cap, choose to spend their money, and, uh, and what players they decide to invest in to market. Uh, Matt, speaking of quarterbacks, obviously the Patriots – uh, just signed Cam Newton uh, to a one-year incentive-laden deal. And uh, he was untouched, obviously, in the market over the last several months. What are your thoughts about his role with the Patriots, how he's going to fit in, and whether he's still got enough gas left in the gas tank? Well, there's nobody in the quarterback uh, room in New England making half a billion dollars. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, and that's really probably the genius of what the Patriots have done not only this year, but prior years, they get people on low risk deals where they're not, uh, they're not married to the money. A lot of times um, a player gets a big contract and no matter if that player is the best player, 
you got to pay and play that player. I mean, go back to when Russell Wilson uh, was the third round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. They had just paid Matt Flynn more money than any other free agent quarterback got that offseason, I think. And they had to make a hard decision. Do we just let that dead money sit on the bench and go with this third rounder on a rookie deal? Or do we pay the guy that uh, we just invested in? Credit to the Seahawks for saying, you know what? We've got enough humility to say, you know what? We sort of made a mistake. Russell Wilson's a way better choice. Uh, we'll play Russell and we won't look back. The Patriots don't have to even go there. They've got Jared Stidham on a rookie deal, and they really, really like him. Like, they truly, truly like him. They believe in Brian Hoyer, and they think he's underrated and overlooked. And then this opportunity came along to get Cam Newton, a hungry and probably just a little bit humbled uh, Cam Newton with a chip on his shoulder, and nobody wants to play against him either. I think the rest of the league says to themselves right now, they're like, wow, wait a sec. A Cam Newton who's humble, hungry, and he's got a chip on his shoulder with Bill Belichick and the Patriots and what they are as a coaching staff. This we don't we don't we do not want to go up against that. But I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion that any one of those guys is guaranteed to be the starting quarterback. And again, I think that's one of the things that the New England Patriots have done so well. You earn your right to play. You earn your spot on the field. And um, no matter how it shakes out, I would be shocked if Cam Newton wasn't a red zone weapon for the Patriots this year. And I would be very surprised if he didn't take the league by storm in at least that kind of a role. It could be much more. Um, But again, you know, from what I had heard before the draft, they weren't interested in drafting any of these quarterbacks. They really love Jared Stidham. But to now to just see Cam and understanding what happens to a player when you, uh, you know, when your team says goodbye to you and you've got that chip, you know, look out. Well, final question for me, Matt. And again, thanks so much for the time. So you, you've had a, a great career as a quarterback and as a TV guy, but you, you always uh, cross paths with some exciting fellow quarterbacks on your teams, whether it was going way back to BC when you played with your brother, Tim, and you played with Scotty Mutrin. And then um, you came up as a Packer with Brett Favre and you crossed paths with Russell Wilson as a Seahawk and, Andrew Luck as a uh, Colt. What's that dynamic like in the quarterback room um, with all of that, um, you know, egos and and pride and and energy? Uh, How does it all interact and uh, how do you stay in touch with these fellows? Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. I dealt with kind of uh, very tough quarterback competitions while I was at Boston College. And so I think that definitely helped me when I got to the NFL. there's some quarterback rooms where I feel like like one quarterback's rooting against the other quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like you're almost like keeping the stats in your head or something like that. And that's just so unhealthy and it's not the way to go. Uh, you know, really the best way to go is to really just focus on yourself. Like, okay, I want to do the best that I can do. I want to help the guy next to me do the best that he can do. And at the end, we're collectively making the team better. And it does take some unselfishness to be that way. Uh, but I remember my rookie year, competing for a stop spot with the Green Bay Packers. And I'm roommates with Rick Meyer, Rick Meyer of Notre Dame, number Second two pick overall. overall. Yep. Wow. Uh, I, had a, I had a Sports Illustrated cover of Rick Meyer hanging in my room when I was in high school. And now I'm rooming with him at St. Norbert's College in De Pere, Wisconsin, literally in twin beds with a landline phone. And we have one TV and we're watching the TV every night before we go to bed, like before bed check. And on the news, they would be like, 
All right, in backup quarterback news here in Green Bay, uh, quarterback Rick Meyer had a tip ball at the line of scrimmage, got intercepted, and youngster, you know, the balding quarterback, the bald eagle from Boston College, you know, he had a touchdown pass. It was like, uh, okay, good night. It was like so awkward. I mean, but to Rick's credit, uh, he didn't make it awkward. Like he was such a good friend. Here's a guy that had done so much in, in college football, NFL football. And I'm a guy just fresh off. Um, I think I went to that. I was on the practice squad that year. And it just was kind of like one of those situations where I learned from it. Uh, people ask me all the time, what'd you learn from Brett Favre, you know, three years in Green Bay? I learned a ton, ton from Brett Favre, but it was guys like Rick Meyer. It was the other backup, Doug Peterson. I learned so much from Doug Peterson. Basically, this is how it went when I was in the quarterback room in Green Bay. Doug Peterson, the coach the of coach the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So Mike Holmgren was the head coach and he would coach Brett Favre and the quarterback coach was Andy Reid. And so like, they would all talk football. The rest of us were allowed to be in the room. And I was the guy that was allowed to be in the it. room. So when the meeting was over, I would like say something to Doug Peterson, the backup quarterback. I was like, hey, Doug, what did they mean when they said, you know, don't see ghosts? What did they mean when they said it's an under strong, uh, under front strong dog, three fires on? Like, what did they mean? So it was almost like you're in a lecture hall with a professor and you're too shy to go see the professor. He's ah. not going to know who you are. So you just run up to the TA and you're like, hey, did you translate all that for me? That was really my experience uh, learning the Green Bay Packers offense, which became the Seattle Seahawks offense. And I think that's how a lot of these quarterback rooms uh, are set up right now. And it's one of the reasons, like I mentioned earlier, that I think the Patriots uh, understand the value of a guy like Brian Hoyer. Uh, it's for things like that. Any new quarterback or a guy that hasn't really uh, been in this system long, um, you know, you can go to someone like that with the questions that you know you could never ask, you know, the guy in charge. Matt, last question for me as a uh, University of Miami alumni, um, knowing that, uh, you know, Tom Brady said Ed Reed's the guy that he feared the most. And uh, having watched Ray Lewis in college, I sure a lot of quarterbacks feared him quite a bit. Who was the guy on the other side of the ball that you feared the most when you went up against? Well, I don't know that I feared him necessarily, but I didn't enjoy it. It was Sean Taylor. It was Ed Reed. It was Troy Polamalu. And my first year in Green Bay, I mentioned um, my locker was next to a guy named Leroy Butler, a strong safety for the Green Bay Packers. And He's another guy that I learned so much from. But one of the things that I learned uh, from a great safety in Green Bay was when you play a great safety, doesn't matter where they're supposed to be. They have the confidence to go, you know, wherever they want to go and be a playmaker. And so I never, ever forgot that. And every time I played against Ed Reed or I played against Sean Taylor, I played against Troy Polamalu, I would tell myself, like, listen, I know it's cover three. I know he's supposed to be in the middle of the field that does not matter. You know, it really doesn't matter. And that, that advice helped me so much. So uh, if I had to pick a guy I feared, it would be Michael Strahan because he could break your clavicle. But uh, <laughs> the other guys, maybe not so much. Matt Hasselbeck, we can't thank you enough for joining uh, the Josh and JP philosophy today. Uh, best wishes to you and your family for a great summer. And uh, let's knock wood for a good NFL season. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks, guys. subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and please share it with a friend or a colleague in your network who would be 
interested, the show is supported by Red Dome Realty and Legacy Financial Group. For more information on these organizations and how to get in touch with your host, check the show notes of this podcast. Thanks for listening.